and pray. As I pray, uh, you can turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to continue the true spirituality uh, series this morning. So let me, let me just pray briefly. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, God. We, we thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is here, God, to elevate us to where we need to be. And Lord, we pray that you would elevate our minds and our hearts, Lord, out of the, the things of this world, Lord, out of, the, out of the things of the flesh, God. And Lord, we pray that you would elevate us right now to a spiritual level, God. Father, we pray that you would, uh, Lord, open our hearts and our minds to your word, God. We pray that we would uh, be good ground, good soil for the seed of your word to come and to plant on the inside of us, God. And Lord, we, we just thank you, God, that you're so good to speak to us, Lord. We thank you that your word makes us like you. And we believe it in faith right now as we begin. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to read. I'm, I'm going to start in verse 1, even though we've already talked on verse 1, and uh, give you a quick recap of where we've been, and then we'll get to where we're going. In uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, uh, this is the New Living Translation. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? And don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. As God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. And so from these three verses in parallel with the Wednesday night Bible study, that we've been doing, Pastor Sam's identified uh, three keys to true spirituality over the last three weeks or so. And uh, the first one was is that true spirituality is developed in the crucible of total surrender. And we talked about how surrender is our natural response to God. It's our reasonable, reasonable response to God. God's done so much for me, therefore I give him everything that I am. Uh, the second thing was is that true spirituality is developed by the daily renovation of our thoughts. And you know, I kind of talked about that in the prayer. You know, the Bible says, and it's a spiritual principle, that as we daily read God's word, our minds become like the mind of God. And the Bible says that, that our minds are renewed, and we're renewed from that old man, that old man of sin, before we knew the Lord. Our minds are renewed to be more and more like God's. And then uh, the third week, we talked about true spirituality is developed by the discovery and development of our true identity. And so all three of those uh, messages have been archived as a podcast. You can uh, download it and stream it on iTunes, or you can stream it from churchontherocknorth.com, C-O-T-R-N.com. And uh, I want to encourage you all to, uh, to, to do that, to, to listen to the, you know, I, I utilize podcasts and, and stuff like that all the time because, you know, a lot of us drive 20 plus minutes to work. And, you know, that's a great way to redeem the time in the car is to have the Word of God streaming across your phone or, or, or on your iPod. So anyway, it's a great resource. 
But uh, today we're going to continue on to the next couple of verses. And so uh, let's just continue reading here. In verse 4, it says, uh, just, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of one body, and each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. And you see, uh, this is a key idea that we as believers need to understand. And the key idea is, is that we are a bigger part, we're part of something bigger whenever we get born again than our own lives and the lives of our family. You know, each believer has a part to play and a position to man in God's global church. Okay, because the church, you've seen it, church with a capital C is God's global church. It's the makeup of every single person who has believed in Jesus Christ. Whenever we do that and, and we're reconciled to God, we're made right with God, we become a part of the global church. We're, we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And um, the... Um, you know, that part begins and ends by a plan that God set forth. And that plan is the local church. Because I want to tell you this morning that you're not adequately or um, the way that God designs you to be part of the global church if you're not plugged into the local church. That's God's plan. That's God's plan. It's God's plan A. There is no plan B. It's the method that God set forth in order for the gospel to go into all the world. He didn't, he didn't send out individual peoples on solo missions. He set up the church. And that's God's plan. And your role as a believer comes to full fruition when the local churches on the community level, on the state level, across the nation and all over the world begin to work together to push the gospel forward in the world. And that's God's plan. That's the way that, that, that the body functions together. Just like my arm is very useless without my legs or, or my elbow or my shoulder, we function as a body working together. That's the picture. And... Um, you know, the kingdom of God, I think this one's going to come up on the screen. The kingdom of God is contingent on the global church, which is contingent on the local church, which is contingent on you. You have a very important part to play. Let me ask you a question. Uh, I know we have some nurses and some medical folks in, in the house. Uh, has any? I'm going to read this so I don't get it wrong. Has anybody heard of the extensor hallucis longus? Anybody? Yeah? No? Never heard of that? Me neither until I Googled it. Uh, okay, the extensor hallucis longus is a muscle. It starts in your fibula, your calf bone, and it extends down into your foot and ends on your big toe. And the function of the muscle, according to wisegeek.com, let me preface that because I'm, I'm no medical person. Uh, the function of the muscle, it allows your foot to move inwardly, allows your foot to move in the vertical plane. And it's, 
It allows for extension and contraction of the big toe. But probably the most important function of the extensor hallucis longus is that it it allows for the the lifting of the foot in order to clear a stair or a step whenever you're climbing stairs. So uh, you've got this muscle uh, nobody has heard of and that probably most of us have never seen. Anybody ever seen that extensor hallucis longus? No? And so we've got this muscle we've never seen, we never think about, that uh, we don't even know that it's there, and yet it's playing a vital function in our ability to walk and to move and to function as a, as a body, as a person. And there's a lot of you today here who feel invisible in the greater purposes of God. There's a lot of people here today who, who you don't feel like you're significant in God's purposes in the world. You feel like there's nothing you can do that can make an impact for the kingdom, and this lie has you stuck in a spiritual neutral that the devil rejoices in. There are others here that are serving faithfully but grudgingly because you've been deceived into thinking that the ministry that you're taking part in isn't making a difference. And there's still other people here who are mired in frustration because you're operating in our church proverbially as a hand and God's designed you to be a foot. And if the hand tries to function as a foot, it's just not going to work. It's like cutting your grass with scissors. It wasn't designed to do that. And so there's frustration there. And that brings me to my main point. True spirituality is developed when we discover and operate in our God-given gifts. First, you got to figure out what your gift is, and then you got to operate in it. And that's true spirituality. I want to tell you a story real quick. Short story. There's a little boy. Grew up going to church on every Sunday and every Wednesday with his mom and dad. And a uh, little boy stayed in the nursery whenever he was a little baby. And uh, while he was in the nursery, even though he didn't remember his times in the nursery, you know, because he was a baby, uh, he greatly benefited from it because his parents were learning and growing in the Lord while somebody was watching their kid. And... Uh, as the boy grew older, his parents would keep him in the worship service, and, and you know, he would see the, the music on the platform and kind of be introduced to that. But he would also look around and see the people in the congregation worshiping around him. And it was from those observations that he began to learn uh, the clapping of the hands and the raising of the hands, and, and, and he would ask questions to his parents and to other people, of why do we do that? And, and, and they would explain to him, we lift our hands and in, in surrender to the Lord. We clap our hands as a sign of, of, of gratitude and thanksgiving unto God. We, we sing to him and as a way to express our love to him. And so in the church, he would see the people around him worshiping, and, and it was by the observation of the people worshiping that he learned to worship. And as a little boy got older, he would go to kids' church uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays, and, 
and he had teachers that would teach him the Bible. And these people weren't Bible scholars. They were people like me and you with jobs and families and, and mortgages and, and, and things to do, you know. But they were just people who would take a couple of hours out of their week and prepare and teach the kids as best they could. And so the kid began to learn the Bible. And it was from those stories and that foundation of the Bible that one day the Holy Spirit would speak to his heart and, 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 would, and would lead him in, in how to act and how to do because the Word of God was in his heart. And uh, then a boy got even older, became a teenager, started going to the youth group. And over the years, there were various leaders who would volunteer and, and be the youth pastor. And, uh, you know, but they all, they all were normal guys who felt a call and, and, and a gifting in their heart to reach out to young people and gave their time and their ability to, to teach the boy. And, um, you know, the secondary leadership of the youth group was made up of just college students and parents. Uh, they weren't professional ministers either. They were just people ministering out of the abundance of their heart. Uh, all the while, the church that the boy attended moved forward because of volunteers who would stand at the door and say hello to people, because of volunteers who would stand on the stage and play the guitar uh, because they knew how and there was a need. You know, it, it consisted of volunteers who would teach the kids and watch the babies and and, and love on the babies while their parents were, were in the service. And, uh, you know, even come and clean the church or come on uh, work day and help help do whatever needed to be done. But as a result of that, the churches continued to move forward. And the boy just showed up. Uh, the boy was greatly impacted by one youth leader who was led to, to start a youth drama team. God just put it in her heart. And, and she started it up, and, and there was ministry as the youth were ministering. And it, it, it had a great impact on his life. And uh, he was changed by one youth pastor who would invite him over to his house on Friday nights. And just hang out and talk and uh, shoot the bull about sports and shoot the bull about the Lord. And there's great, there was great discipleship and growth in that. His, his spiritual life was shaped by local church retreats and youth camps led by people not employed by the church, but by people serving in the church as best they could with what God had given them, you know? And I stand here today ministering to you, declaring that I am the boy who was greatly impacted by the insignificant parts of the body of Christ. I'm the boy that, that was changed because people took two hours out of their week to prepare a lesson and teach me about David and Goliath, to teach me about Abraham and Isaac, to teach me about Jesus Christ. It makes a difference. You know? We all stand here today because of the insignificant parts of the body. And I want to say, uh, you will begin to make a difference when you discover and begin to operate in the church, utilizing the gifts that God has designed you for. That's when you make a difference. You discover it and you operate in it in the local church. So, uh, Paul continued... In the first part of verse 6 here, 
and just really making it simple about how we as believers operate in, in, in the church. So I just want to read you the first part of verse 6 here. Uh, it says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Now, these abilities that God gives us are gifts. And we should desire the best gifts that God has for us to serve his kingdom and to serve each other. Uh, but the idea here is, is that I am a gift to the church. The church is not God's gift to me. I am God's gift to the church. And see, the church is not about what you can get from it, but what you can give through it. That's what church is about. Uh, And many people today, especially in our culture, which really focuses on self-gratification, get this kind of backwards. Because most people come to church looking for what they can receive on a flesh level when church is really about how you can serve on a spiritual level. That's what church is about. And many people, live, many people leave church with frustration because they're not getting fulfilled in their flesh. But it's backwards because it's about service. It's about giving. The New King James Version of verse 6 reads like this. It says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, And so Paul makes it clear here that we're going to have different gifts. We're going to have different gifts that operate on different levels or different magnitudes. Not everybody's going to be gifted in the same thing, and some people are going to be more gifted than others. Let me show you something. Flip over to Matthew chapter 25. Keep your hand in Romans. There's a story that I love that I come back to very often, a parable. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 14. It says, again, the king, this is Jesus speaking, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip. He called together his servants and gave them money to invest for him while he was gone. He gave five bags of gold to one, two bags of gold to another, and one bag of gold to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. So he didn't give them the same amount and then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of gold Immediately be, began immediately to invest the money and soon doubled it. The servant with two bags of gold also went right to work and doubled the money. But the servant who received the one bag of gold dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money for safekeeping. And it's important to realize that that was in direct contradiction to the instruction of the master to invest the money. After a long time, verse 19, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of gold said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest. 
and I have doubled the amount. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Next came the servant who had received the two bags of gold with the report. Sir, you gave me two bags of gold to invest, and I have doubled the amount. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of gold came and said, Sir, I know you are a hard man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth, and there it is. But the, but the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. You think I'm a hard man, do you? Harvesting crops I didn't plant and gathering crops I didn't cultivate? Well, you should at least have put my money into the bank so I could have some interest. Take the money from the servant, from this servant, and give it to the one with the ten bags of gold. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even what they have will be taken away. And I'm gonna. I said I was gonna quote Jim. He uh, he said something that kind of stuck to me during his offering uh, message the other day. But I want to extend it to to our gifts and to the service uh, to the kingdom. You know what Jesus is saying here in this parable is that faithfulness requires investment of our gifts in the kingdom of God. That's faithfulness. That's the command of God. You know, I want, I want you to note, and the parables are, are cool about this. He said, he said, the kingdom of God can be illustrated by this. In other words, it's a picture of what we as believers, members of the kingdom of God, are required to do. And what Jesus is saying here is, is that he expects us to invest in the kingdom he expects us to invest in the, in the church. You know, notice here that the man, oh, yeah, this is very important. The man with the five bags of gold who increased to ten was given the exact same amount of commendation and praise as the one who had the two bags of gold and increased to four. It's very important to realize that because, remember, we're not all gifted the same. We're not all gifted as the same part of the body, nor are we gifted with the same magnitude of that gift. And the, what, what, what Jesus was trying to bring out to here is, is that God's not so concerned with the magnitude of our gifts that we serve him with, but what we do with the gifts that we have for his kingdom. You know, put another way, God's not so concerned with what we have because what we have comes from him, but what we do with what we have. That's what God's concerned about. And there is a trap with comparing ourselves to other people. We don't compare ourselves to other people. We take what God gives us and we give it back to him the best that we can. That's, that's the investment in the kingdom that God expects. Also very important here is the motivation of the servant who was rebuked. He failed to invest 
what he was given by the master for a couple of reasons. And he says them here. Uh, and, you know, this is probably something to go back. I could probably spend an hour talking about this. So this may be something to go back and look at. But he failed, he failed to invest what the master had given him for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, he had a misunderstanding of the master. He thought that God was all about, and I see this all the time, he thought that God was all about holding him back from having fun. He thought that God was all about what he was going to take away from him. What God was going to, that God was going to make his life boring. So many people think that. They have this misunderstanding of the master. Secondly, he lacked faith in the master. He didn't believe that the master was there to increase him and promote him. He believed that the master was a hard, he said, he said, I know that you're a hard man who takes the things that, that you don't deserve and that, that aren't yours. I know. And yet we see contrary to that with the other two servants. You know, and, and there's so many people who don't believe that God is working all things together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. You know, they don't, they don't believe that God truly does have the best life that we could ever live. They believe that, that they're smarter than God. They don't believe that God is omniscient and that he knows all things and that he sees the future as clear as he sees the past and that he is guiding and directing our lives in the best traje- trajectory that we could possibly live in. And it takes faith. And uh, as a result of that misunderstanding, and as a result of that lack of faith, the servant acted in fear instead of faith. And you know, I see, I see that, that these reasons why the wicked servant didn't invest his master's uh, capital like he should have is the same reason that we choose to use our gifts selfishly rather than to serve the kingdom purposes. And so this is, this is just deep. It's a lot of stuff. I encourage you. I love this parable. It's, it's so um, reflective of spiritual things. I encourage you to, to read through it when you have more time. But uh, let's flip back over to Romans and look at the gifts. Because Paul lists out the gifts here. Verse 6. It says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So these are the motivational gifts of the Spirit. And each of us has one of these gifts that motivates us to do what we do. It's not something that we have to force out. It's something that comes naturally and instinctively in our hearts. It's part of our makeup. Uh, As we mature in the Lord, we'll find that all of these gifts flow through us in some capacity. So, uh, you know, uh, a a giver may at some point have the gift of prophecy operate through them. 
as you become more of a dynamic believer and you grow in the Lord. Yet each of us has an area of strength in one of these general gifts that God desires to use for a very specific purpose in the church. There's something inside of you that God has put there to help out here. Okay? Uh, Remember that God has put a motivational gift in each of us to use for investment in the global church by operating through the local church. That's the key idea. So at this time, uh, while we're going through the gifts, uh, I've given some handouts to the ushers. If you guys could could kind of pass those out. I don't know where y'all are. Um, I think we have enough for everybody. Maybe not. But uh, I just kind of wanted to share this part of my notes with you so you'd have something in your hand uh, to look at because it's kind of a lot of information. But also something to take home with you and consider. Okay? And... Um, as we go through the gifts, what, I'm gonna, what I've done is I've looked up the concordance definition. and, and I, So I'll read you the concordance definition, and then I'll give you a little commentary. And as we go through the gifts, I just want to encourage you to consider uh, what, we're, what we're reading about. Consider these seven motivational gifts and think on what, what naturally comes out of me. What, what, which one of these is, is, is part of me? And, and it is, is what I believe that God has gifted me with. So as they, as they go ahead and finish up, I'm just going to start. Uh, the first gift addressed is prophecy. And uh, prophecy is a discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of God, whether by reproving and admonishing the wicked or comforting the afflicted or revealing things hidden especially by, for, by foretelling future events. And the person who's gifted with the gift of prophecy tends to think in black and white terms. Uh, a lot of times they, they, they see right is right and wrong is wrong, and there's no real gray area in their minds or in their hearts. And, um, you know, something that, that's important to notice about prophecy is is that it's not just limited to our traditional thoughts of, of being spoken the future by God and then speaking the future to others. That's not what prophecy is limited to. Prophecy is any divinely inspired word from God that we speak into other people's lives. That's prophecy. And some people have that gift. Some people have a sensitivity to the spirit where God gives them the ability to, to quote unquote read people's mail, you know, and that's a gifting of the spirit. Some of you may have that and you're afraid to speak. And God's saying you need to start to operate in that and speak. You know, he says in, he says in verse 6 here, what does he say? He says, if, you, if you're given the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking to you. You know, and it's important that we move in that, in that, that prophetic movement if, if God is speaking to us on the inside. Uh, next thing is serving or ministry. Uh, this is service, ministry, especially those who execute the commands of others, of those who at the command of God proclaim and promote religion among men, the ministration of those who render to others the offices of Christian affection, especially those who help meet needs by either collecting or distributing charities, 
And this was kind of interesting to me, literally uh, the service of those who prepare food. And so people with the gift of serving demonstrate love by meeting practical needs. They have a supernatural ability to identify needs, to see them, and then to move to meet them. And so that's the, giving, that's the, the gift of serving. Next is the, the gift of teaching. It's to hold the discourse with others in order to instruct them, deliver didactic discourses, to be a teacher, to discharge the office of a teacher, conduct oneself as a teacher, to teach one, to impart instruction, instill doctrine into one, and to explain or expound a thing. People with the gift of teaching love to study the Bible as facts and then take those facts and present them to others. They enjoy digging out the truths of the Bible. However, there is a danger to teaching in that they're, they're, to, to you teachers, to you studiers of the Bible, you know, and I speak to myself, I believe this is my motivational gift. You know, we need to be careful not to put too much emphasis on information and neglect the spiritual you know that is a danger of the gift of teaching where there's too much focus on what we know and not enough focus on the spirit behind the word if you will you know and so that's the gift of teaching Uh, next is exhortation or encouragement Uh, it means a calling near or summons importation supplication entreaty Exhortation, admonition, encouragement, consolation, comfort, solace. That which affords comfort or refreshment, persuasive discourse, a stirring address. And the person with the gift of encouragement or exhortation is able to inspire others to live a certain way. I, I, see, I see encouragement, exhortation more in the vein of a true preacher you know, uh, someone who speaks from, from the Word of God, yes, but from the fire in their hearts, you know, and, 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 and uh, speaks into people's lives and encourages them and inspires them to live a certain way. But it's so much more than just preaching. It's a, it's a, it's a speaking, that encouragement on a, on a person-to-person level, encouraging people. And there's so many platforms that that could be executed through. Uh, you know, when others are down... People with this gift encourage them to get back up. They're the, they're the people who, who go and rally around those who are down and, and, and speak over their lives an encouraging word. The next is giving. It means to impart something, to supply, furnish necessary things. And uh, those with the gift of giving, uh, they give to someone something that that person lacks that is to the advantage of the person who lacks you know, it's not, to the, it's not to the advantage of the giver. They give at their expense to someone lacking. Uh, God has given these people insight into money and stewardship. And they have this ability, most people who operate in this gift, God also pairs that with the ability to generate money. But paired with that, with that, that ability to generate money is that, that spirit and that heart of giving. You know, the Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. You know, he said, the, the parable said that, that, 
that to him who does something with what he has, more will be given to him. And that's a spiritual principle. And we often see that operating in a magnified uh, way in the lives of, of givers. And also, these people tend to keep a little bit of extra money on storage you know, uh, in their savings in case they do find a need and identify a need. And, and that, that's some characteristics of a, of a giver. Next is uh, ruling and leadership. This means to set or place before, to set over, to be over, superintend, preside over, to be a protector or, gu- or guardian, to give aid, to care for, give attention to. And simply put, people with the gift of, of rulership or leadership, they don't mind stepping up and showing a group of people what direction we need to go. They don't, they, they're the administrators and the, and the facilitators of, of the, uh, I don't want to call them programs, but I guess the ministries of the church. And, and they are able to guide and direct people in the direction that they should go. And the last gift is mercy. Mercy means literally to have mercy on, to help one afflicted or seeking aid, to help the afflicted, to bring help to the wretched. And people with the gift of mercy are easily able to relate to other people. They have that empathy on the inside of them where they can rejoice with people who are happy and they can weep with people who are sad. And they have that ability to to step into the hearts of other people and share the burdens uh, that they may be carrying on the inside or or rejoice with them in their highs whenever they're high. And so that's the gift of mercy. And the key here is, is that the church works best when we each operate in the church in that gift that God has given us. And we need to understand that we're all very important to the body of Christ. You know, if, if you're not operating in your gift in the church, the church is missing something. It's going to go on, but it's missing something. We must realize that we need to recognize our gifts and work them because a gift not worked for God's purposes is a gift that will miss its potential. It's a gift that will never, you, you're, you're never going to attain the level of effectiveness or the level of happiness that you could if you were serving the Lord with your gift and if you choose not to. It's a spiritual reality. You must also remember that, you know, there's times when we may not be able to operate in our gift. You know, 100% of the time, you can't always operate in your motivational gift because there, there are times whenever, I give you an example, a person of mercy who empathizes is still responsible to call sin, sin. You know, and so if, if I see my, my, my best friend doing something that, that, you know, where the proverb says that the, re, the rebuke of a friend is better than the kiss of an enemy. I still, though my gift is mercy, have the responsibility to tell my friend, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, so there's times that we don't operate in our gift. And that's important to know too. Uh, so I want to give you a few thoughts in closing. Uh, the first thing is, 
and we kind of said this in different ways, but God has put a motivational gift in each of us to use for investment in the global church by operating in the local church. I've said that three, three or four times because it's so important. That's the key to this message. But let me give you a few closing thoughts about the gifts. Two closing thoughts. The first thing is, is that if you haven't taken the time to identify what your motivational gift is, what God has designed for you to do, put inside of you, it's very difficult to operate in it. If you don't know, if you can't put your finger on it, I want to encourage you this week, I want to encourage you today to take this list and spend some time in prayer, just you and the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead your mind and to lead your heart and identify what your gifting that God has given you to operate in the church is. And I encourage you to stay there. Stay in the place of prayer until you can put your finger on it. Not as an act of legalism, but as an as a act of obedience in the Spirit. And as we, as we pray, as we pray, Holy Spirit, just lead me now. I, 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 don't know, I don't know what you want me to do, but I want to know what you want me to do. And the Lord will lead you. The Lord will reveal to you. that It will jump off the page to you. You know? Uh, the second thing is is that your gift was given to you primarily for God's purposes. You know, God allows us to use our gift for personal purposes. But if we're not first using our gifts for God's purposes, then our gift is being wasted because it's not being used for its primary purpose. And I want to I challenge you with something right now. And this is going to be challenging, but I prayed and prayed and prayed, and, and I feel like I need to say this. If all you do is come to church, sing the songs, listen to the message, and leave, there's a very good chance that you are not operating in your gift to serve the kingdom of God and His purposes. And that's challenging. But the Lord wants to challenge you this morning to do something for the kingdom. What are you going to do at the end of your life? You can make all the money in the world... You can have all the respect of men in the world. You can raise a great family. You can have a great house. You could go on great vacations. But I want to tell you something. At the end of your life, you do not want to be the person that looks back and said, I never did anything for the kingdom of God. You don't want to look back at your life and say, I did so much in my life, but I wish I would have done more for the kingdom of God. And so it's so important that we evaluate ourselves honestly and ask ourselves, am I using my gift for the kingdom of God?
Am I using it for his purposes, not just my purposes? And I want to throw a very tough word, especially in 2014, at you. It's committed. If you don't have an official committed, I don't want to call it job, (laughs) purpose, ministry, if you don't have an official committed ministry, if there's not something in our church that says, Josh, you need to be at church at 1030 because you're doing the guitar on the worship team, which I would never do that because I'm terrible at music. I want to encourage you to evaluate yourself. We got to get committed. And committed is like a, a, a curse word in our, in our culture today. But I want to encourage you to get committed to this church. Because when we get committed to God's church, God's local church, then we begin to operate in God's global church. And it's at that point that we begin to serve not ourselves, but we begin to serve the greater purposes of God. And that's the reason why you're here. I've never, ever, ever, ever heard someone at the end of their life, I've never read an account of anybody at the end of their life that said, man, I wish I would have done less for God. But so many people, so many rich people, so many famous people, so many people who have the whole world at the end of their life die with an emptiness on the inside of them not even knowing what they're missing, but what they were missing was a relationship with Jesus and serving God for his kingdom purposes. And so I just want to, if you guys will stand with me as we close. 